This is Digital Health Today, Episode 8. Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators, and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. Now, here is your host, Dan Kendall. Welcome back to another episode of Digital Health Today. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. I know you love to learn and grow, and that's why I always ask our guests for their recommendation of books that you and I can use to continue to expand our knowledge and understanding. But let's face it, we don't always have the opportunity to read as much as we'd like. That's why I love audio, because you can tune in to things that matter to you while you're busy doing something else. Whether you're exercising, sitting in a car, a train, or a plane, standing in line at the store, or even waiting for an old-fashioned doctor's appointment, you can always tune in to great content with your earbuds. In fact, that's probably what you're doing right now, listening to this podcast while you're busy doing something else. I'm not offended. I think it's great, and I appreciate you sharing your time with me. But when this playlist is through and you're looking for something else to do, head over to the curated collection of books available at digitalhealthtoday.com and see what piques your interest. Then click on the link or visit digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash audible and pick up a copy of that book for free. You'll be glad you did. The gaming and health sectors have traditionally been pretty far removed from one another, but there's a perfect storm of technology, access, and content that has the potential of driving these two industries closer together. The gaming industry is big. In the U.S. alone, total revenues in 2015 were over $23 billion, and it's expected to be about $100 billion globally this year. Despite this size and growth, there's very little being done, at least in my opinion, to disrupt healthcare using what we know and what we can learn from the successful industry. And that's where I'm hoping today's guest can help us out. My guest is Anna Sort. Anna has a lot of titles. She's a nurse, she's an entrepreneur, and she's a professor, all of which are titles and roles that you frequently come across in the health tech innovation sectors. But she also carries another title that you don't hear very often at medical conferences. She's an accomplished and avid gamer. She's been playing games since she was five years old. That's about 25 years. And she spent countless hours playing World of Warcraft, Overwatch, and many other titles. In fact, she loves gaming so much that she's found ways to incorporate techniques she's learned from the video game industry to help patients, carers, and professionals and to drive behavior change. Anna is based in Barcelona, and in 2013, she co-founded her company, Play Benefit, which is another of the many fantastic companies that are emerging from this wonderful city. There, she helps companies enhance engagement, learning, and satisfaction through using gaming methodologies. I heard Anna speak at the eHealth Week conference in Amsterdam recently, and I was really impressed at her understanding and approach to how we can improve outcomes, education, and awareness through the engagement methodologies used in the gaming industry. In this interview, Anna talks about the six steps to have epic wins in healthcare. What is an epic win? Well, according to the author, speaker, and game developer, Jay McGonigal, In gaming terms, an epic win is an outcome that is so extraordinarily positive you had no idea it was possible until you achieved it. And I think we need more of these in healthcare. Now, I don't want you to worry about taking notes or trying to remember everything that Anna talks about today. So she prepared a PDF that you can download that goes through all six steps to help us work toward and achieve epic wins in healthcare. And she gives some practical examples and advice on how you can apply these steps to your project. Anna also mentions Jane McGonigal and recommends two of her books, which, of course, you can find in the show notes. But I also dug up two TED Talks that Jane did that I think you'll enjoy watching. Visit the website at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash eight and view those two TED Talks, download the links to the books, get access to all the links we talk about on this episode, and also importantly, download the PDF that Anna talks about and that she's prepared to help apply these techniques 
to your project. Okay, so now let's dive into the conversation with Anna Sort of PlayBenefit.com. Anna, welcome to the program. Hello. I've shared a little bit of information about your background with our listeners. Can you fill in some of the blanks and tell us a little bit about your personal journey? Sure. So let's see. I grew up in a little town uh, an hour away from Barcelona. So growing up, I've been very engaged with video games, especially since my brother actually became a programmer. I was there to play with him with video games all my life. So they became a really big hobby for me. And later on, I studied nursing and I had no idea that I could merge these both worlds together. Until uh, I ended up after, just right after I, I graduated, I ended up working in Paris for one of the biggest video game companies in the whole world, which is Blizzard Entertainment, which has titles that I'm sure some people have heard of, such as World of Warcraft with over 12 million players and Starcraft and Diablo and so on. And so I was in this company with people who develop video games and uh, I was their nurse and I was a geek as well. And it was just through your looking for a job that you happened to work at a gaming company or did you actually try to get a job there specifically because of your interest in gaming? This is a funny story because I had some friends that were playing the game with me and they said, oh, you know, we're so good. If we apply onto this company, I'm sure we're going to get in, you know, meaning Blizzard Entertainment. And so I am kind of competitive. So I was like, okay, I'm going to apply as well. <laughs> but the thing is, I had no idea they had a nursing position. When I applied, I applied to be a game master, which is the person that is behind the game, making sure everything is correctly and if someone gets stuck you and stuck them in the game and things like that so it was funny because actually i initially i got the job for being a game master so i was actually at blizzard working as a game master for about a month and a half before the nurse position came around and i applied for it when i heard you talk at eHealth week you explained about an incident you had with one of the employees at blizzard entertainment and uh, how they'd been diagnosed with diabetes and your role in trying to educate them about their disease can you tell us about that experience all right so one of the guys actually had uh, pulmonary embolia due to between other things undiagnosed diabetes that he has it was a real scare because it, the guy ended up in the hospital it was it was pretty bad but uh, when he came out, it was up to me to give him to kids education for health. So basically what I did is what I was told at university. I sat him down in front of me. I gave him the one hour talk about diabetes. And then I just gave him a flyer and sent him up home and a follow up visit in the next two days. And was that effective? No, definitely not. So basically he came back and he had no questions because he didn't even have anything to start with. It was like as he understood the grasps of it, the big picture, but he didn't understand that the changes had to do with now and that it had a direct impact on how he was feeling at the moment. So, yeah, it was definitely not the way to do it for me. That must be very frustrating as a professional to sit down with a patient, look out for their best interests, try to do everything that you've been trained to do to explain to them what it is that they need to do when they leave that interaction and go out and, and run their lives as adults and responsible people. And then to find out that the person hasn't done anything about that. 
Yeah, it is a bit frustrating, but you do realize that it's not their problem. It's probably your problem. And I do not consider myself a bad teacher. It's just the way it is taught. I mean, it is a lot of information and, and it's about you. So it's normal that you freeze. It's not when you want to hear the information that I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you when I'm scheduled to. Was that the point where you began to, to get a real interest then about how to affect behavior change? Um, at that point, I think it was when I realized that complexity could be explained in a short time, very effectively, but through another method. We learn a lot faster with video games. When I play video games, I realize that I learn a lot, a ton, in a very short amount of time. And actually, the best part of it is that I'm not realizing that I'm actually learning things. So that is actually when it kicked something inside me and I thought, I need to mix video games with learning in healthcare. So let's look at that particular interaction specifically. So you've got a diabetic patient. He's come in. You've spoken with him. He's gone away. He's come back a few days later as a follow-up. He hasn't done anything. He didn't realize any of the imperative or the urgency about him making any lifestyle changes or changes to his diet or exercise or activity levels or sleep. And you had this light bulb go off. What do you do? You say, hey, we want to gamify this experience and help educate them through gamification. What can you really do, Anna? Well, for me, it was a bit crazy because then I decided that this was my my career and that I had to pursue this. I had to pursue mixing my hobby with my, my love and my career. So I went back to Barcelona and found a master's degree that would allow me to go in because it only took programmers initially. And it was about, it had like robotics and serious games and it had gamification as well in it. It had like a bunch of different ways to learn. And I was the only one in healthcare there, let alone the only nurse. Uh, everyone else was programmer or, or a digital artist in that master's. But it did give me the spectrum of what was going to happen in the next few years, what was going to be talked about, what was going to be actually accepted. So that was, that was exciting for me. And it gave me a good overview on what I wanted to do next or what I could do next when I did find gamification and serious games as a viable option to do what I came back to Barcelona to do, to put it this way. So I'm not a gamer myself. I played games years ago when I was a boy, but we're talking Pong and Pac-Man back in the original series. So, uh, so explain it to me. If you're thinking about gamifying that interaction with that diabetes patient, how do you help that patient? What can you do from a gamification perspective to actually help them? Well, for that in, in particular, I thought, okay, if I do a video game, it's going to take me years and it's going to take a team of people. And to make it competitive nowadays, it has to be really good. So I thought, how about if I use already existing video games in order to help me in health and other healthcare professionals? And that's when I started thinking how I could use World of Warcraft, which I said earlier has 12 million players to actually help with the awareness of diabetes. So since I've played the game a lot, I know a lot of things. I know how it works. I know that you can download um, interface changes for the, the game that are completely allowed by Blizzard Entertainment. So I thought, how about if I make an interface that it has a glucometer to show the person what the glucose in blood is doing, so the sugar in blood is doing, and 
And then I can have, if he moves a lot around, you know, I can count how many meters he's actually moving. So I can count that as exercise. I can count the fighting because you use resources such as mana or, or anger. So I could use that uh, to count as um, exercise as well. And actually in World of Warcraft is super exciting. You have a ton of food, like you have different types of breads, you have different types of, of sugary foods, you have different types of drinks, you even have fungus, different types of fungus. So it's really, really exciting in food-wise. And I know that each item has an item ID, so I can ID this item and have it have a different impact on the glucose. So that's when I initially thought, let's make a World Diabetes add-on. And I put up this idea, I did it in paint, I even remember it, and I brought it to, to Games for Health, which were crazy enough to let me talk. <laughs> and I gave a talk about how can we use our red existing video games for health. And actually, the World Diabetes add-on was quite popular. And I had uh, RIT come up to me afterwards. And, and Stephen Jacobs is one of the teachers over there. And he said, Anna, I like this idea. Let's do it together. I'll put students for it. And let's develop this together. And this was really exciting. It was like the first project that I was into. And it is actually now available. You can download the beta of the add-on so you can test it. But basically it does this. It, it Your character all of a sudden, it has diabetes and it has uh, glucose levels that you have to regulate through food and that you, you can actually also use insulin and so on to learn about what it is to have diabetes. That is brilliant. So you took a very popular game, World of Warcraft, which is produced by whom? Which company produces World of Warcraft? Oh, Blizzard Entertainment. Oh, Blizzard. Okay. <laughs> Your previous employers. Fantastic. So uh, you took that game, you took the capability that it had to create an add-on, and you basically gave a player diabetes, and, and then they had to, to then adjust their play based on and their energy levels based on what was happening yeah, pretty much was that. Yeah. Like if you, for example, if your sugar was really low, it was running low because let's say you had not eaten for a while and you were doing a lot of exercise, uh, your, your, your screen would go darker and darker. So you would actually sort of, and your, your character would always want to sit down whenever it's not doing any, anything to sort of pretend that you're. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so it has a ton of little things to, to help you un understand how it's feeling. Obviously it's, it's an interface. You cannot do much. You are not affecting the game itself. So I cannot make your fireballs charge slower or something like this. But I do can impact the interface. And for you to get the idea of, uh, you know, the awareness of what diabetes is, that is enough. Are you working toward doing any clinical research on that or any study about how that's actually affecting the people who are using that add-on? Yes, that's actually the next step. For the moment, is in beta. We're trying to find the bugs and re through feedback also reconstructing part of parts of the add-ons. But yeah, in the future, the the intention is to to start a couple of trials to see if this has an impact. So, if you're interested in playing World of Warcraft, or in fact you already do play World of Warcraft, go to the link that we're going to have in the show notes and download the interface that you can use to actually give your player diabetes and have them experience the symptoms and some of the challenges that people who have diabetes are facing on a daily basis. Anna, you've obviously spent a lot of time perfecting your skills as a gamer. You've spent a lot of time educating and working as a health professional. What are some of the things that the listeners to this podcast should do if they're interested in trying to find ways 
to gamify their solution, their approach, their processes. What are some of the top ways that they can begin to embrace some of these gaming methodologies and come up with effective tools? Okay, so the first I would give is make sure that you have a goal and objective, something that you want to do. Because I find that a lot of people uh, comes up to me and says, look, and I want to do a game to teach diabetes, for example, or I want to do this and that problem-based. And I say, okay, so what do you want to achieve? Do you want to achieve people, let's say, that they log in three times a day to put insert data? It's like, what is the real objective that you want to create behind this because if you don't have that clear you cannot do a gamification on it because you'll just add things without actually a direction so that's very very important to have this clear and the second thing would be to understand your user it is imperial that you put your user first whether it is you develop together with it and it can have one or two users and let me explain this When we say user, we mean the person that uses it, but how about if it's a solution for a patient or or a person, let's put it someone that's healthy, but that you want to control, but the other user is, for example, a nurse, because it will have to interact with this. So I think this is really important to have both the user's perspective and if possible, involved on the development, whether it's through workshops or having them along for the ride. And the objectives, clear objectives. Okay, so the first two that you've just listed here make a lot of sense. So know what your goals are, which you know always need to define the outcomes and uh, begin with the end in mind, sort of the Stephen Covey uh, approach to to life. And then secondly is understand your user. So those two things make a lot of sense, and uh, certainly in all areas of software development or product development are things that that we should keep in mind. What other sorts of things do we need to think about that might be more specific to behavior change or gamification? When I do behavior change and and gamification processes, I do keep a couple of things in mind besides the the user and the objectives. One of the other things that I rely a lot is behavior change theories. And within behavior change theories, I think a lot about BJ Fox or influencer. But one thing that I do try to always work around with is willpower. So we all have a willpower base, but this willpower base can be increased. And basically, if we want people to actually change for the long run, we need to increase this willpower base. If not, we will never have these behavior changes happen for for the long run. So I always try to have my gamification work around with willpower in order to to have the person actually achieve this change in his in their habits or life. Can you give us an example of how you do that? All right. So let's see very quickly. Switching off autopilot. We do make a lot of decisions during the day in autopilot. And just by making people be aware of their decisions or just doing a recap at the end of the day with like decisions that you took, if you were sabotaging your own health or not at some point, or you were sabotaging the goal of going to the gym today, for example, anything like that, this actually increases your willpower a little bit every day. All right. So that's number three, keeping in mind behavior change their theory and building up willpower. What's next? So the next one would be fun and and play theories. They are also important as well because basically 
especially one of them. I use it uh, basically all the time and it's the player's journey. The player's journey for me is basic because it means that it's basically from level one to level two. What is level two? What does people in level one need to learn before they go to level two? Organizing knowledge, organizing anything, your message in what does this person need to know, what are the basics in order for it for the person to understand this content is is really key for actually people understanding the content. An example of this would be, for example, if you download Candy Crush and you've never played Candy Crush in your life, you can actually learn by playing. And after five levels, you'd be doing super complicated things and you just don't realize that you have learned it through play. You, you've learned the complexity of the game by playing because the player's journey is really, really well made. So to recap so far, we've got know what your goals are, know who your user is and understand your user. We've got behavior change theory. We've got the player's journey getting from level one to level two. And Stuart Carton was on uh, episode three of this podcast, and he's a, a product designer uh, based out in Los Angeles. And he talked about a, an app that he designed for, I think it was Boston Scientific. That's not available yet, but they did some interesting work in terms of progressive disclosure is what he talked about uh, through the app interface, being able to give patients different information as they go through their journey and, and provide it to them when they're ready. It sounds like you're doing a similar thing through a game interface, getting people the, the information they need to get through the different levels. And then what would be next after the player's journey? Oh, well, next would be, for me, healthcare has to be social, as in it is whether when I say social, I, I mean from either having your family support or having sometimes more people support, uh, people that are in your similar situation. For me, the social part of going through life, whether it's with with your health or with the disease, it's very, very important. So the online communities, uh, research is really important here. How can we interact uh, with other people through through game strategies, to put it this way? How can we, there's a lot to do with expression, with uh, competition, collaboration, uh, exploration together, you know? So those are things that can encourage people to open up and, and be more social about their issue or even if it just, you know, getting fit and going to the gym. That's really interesting because I know obviously gaming is very social now with people playing against each other from all over the world, plugging into the internet and, and choosing teams and joining teams and competing with various other teams and individuals all around the world. And then we've also seen on the healthcare side, a lot of new communities spring up that are run by patients and facilitated by patients about their specific uh, conditions or their challenges or their treatments and things of that sort. So you're actually suggesting that we try to combine those two. We combine the, the, the connected and a social interaction that exists in the gaming sphere currently and then add in a health component where people can find other people like them that are battling different health issues. Can you give an example of someone who's doing that well? For example, there's Social Diabetes, which is an app created by someone who had diabetes, actually. And he created Social Diabetes to help himself with diabetes and, and, and have other people help him in his family that would reward him and so on. So I think those initiatives are great. And is there anything else that we should think about in terms of tips for gamifying healthcare education? Yeah, actually, the last one is very important as well. It's the, the game design and the game mechanics. 
when we talk about gamification or when when I go to talks about gamification, I see a lot of, so we, we have a system and then we put points and badges and leatherboards and there you go, we've gamified the system. And although this gamification does work because it's scientifically proven that it works, it doesn't last long. It lasts for about two months in average, um, depending on the country you, you are in. Apparently, in Spain, for example, is one of the countries that is more engaged with point badges and leatherboards, but <laughs> it's not expressed. So basically, point badges and leatherboards are part of the mechanics, and you can have a game with that as well, but... The other part of the game, if you take out the points, badges and leatherboards, the journey for the player has to be interesting enough to follow without that. If it's not interesting enough, if the game really is only about points, badges and leatherboards, then it's not going to do lasting changes on behavior. It's not going to last long. People are going to become disengaged from it. And just to point out one very important game mechanic, it's feedback. Feedback is essential. And we do not have enough feedback in life in or life, to put it this way. So it's very, very rewarding, very nice when we have good feedback. By this, you mean feedback from the game to the player. Exactly. Yeah. Feedback from All the right. game to the player. And I guess going back to my comments about people who are sort of against the gamification in the healthcare space, maybe they're only thinking about that last point you made about points, badges and leaderboards. Because as you said, if you're only focused on that aspect of gamification, it's not going to be long term. It's not going to affect long term change. Yes, it's probably this. And well, to be honest, I have to give it to, to people who think this way. It's because it's it's the, the ones that have been more largely spread. When you do gamification design, it is really about a good design of things. When you do PBL, points by just leatherboards, this can be done like super easily and super fast. So it's normal that it's this one, the most known and the most spread one, because it's just cheaper. But, well, it's for me, it's not gamification. It's really PBL. Anna, you've taken all these six steps and you've combined them into one document that's available on our website. What is the name of the document? Six Steps to Create Epic Wins in Healthcare. Great. Well, thanks very much for taking the time to put that together. And I hope everyone listening will take the time to just go to the website and download that from the show notes, digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash eight. So can you give us any examples of companies that are doing a good job try and take their position in gaming and trying to drive some health and wellness aspects through it? Well, the large companies are there because uh, health sells. So for me, it's, it's like, it is a good example because thanks to them, we have a lot of people who wouldn't have exercised before that these appeals to them and they exercise through, 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 for example, Nintendo Wii or the Xbox system for training. And there is not one console, home console, that does not have an exercising thing, like from the big ones, Xbox, Nintendo, or Microsoft, uh, sorry, Sony. So I would say that there are steps to the right direction, but I would like to see more, more healthcare professionals behind these initiatives rather than just the industry trying to get bigger and, and other sectors and, and other other people. Like, for example, when, when, they, when they took a Nintendo to brain training to get to a, a, a public that would have never gotten a Nintendo before. So, Well, 
I'm probably not going to go out and buy a gaming console anytime soon. And you mentioned during your talk that at Christmas time is when a lot of these gaming consoles and health-related accessories and games often get sold, I guess, as people get them for their aging parents and try to get them more active. I am an avid mobile user. I have an iPad and an iPhone, and I'm on that frequently throughout the day. Can you give any examples of games or tools that are using those sort of mobile platforms that people like me who aren't going to buy a game console could start to use and perhaps get some health benefit from? Sure. So one of the oldest ones, and I remember that this was one of the ones that I, I, when I started looking for things that were done relating health and games, was Lumosity. Lumosity is one of the oldest platforms there are. It's a website where, and it's also an app now to keep on doing brain games and stuff. But to be honest with you, just downloading Candy Crush can have a lot of benefits for you because it's actually been studied and the differences between playing a memory game or the games that are in the Lumosity platform or, or brain games such as Nintendo brain training, it has not been it has not proven to be very different or significantly different from playing any other game such as Candy Crush and so on. Plus, it has been studied then in the brainwaves interaction, playing Candy Crush for about half an hour has similar effects to uh, meditating for 10 minutes. So that is definitely something that just, you know, just by playing Candy Crush, you can get. On another note, I would like to say also that some of the very good games that are out there to that are gamified um, are, for example, for people who has diabetes, My Sugar is a great app. And it has some sort of gamification, so you you are more prone to actually uh, write down your 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 state and, and your numbers and so on. So for diabetes, that's one that I like, and I also like very much Super Better. It's an app developed by Jim McGonagall, and it's about how to become super better at whatever is your goal. If you are fitness or getting out of depression, or they had about what was it, 200,000 users, and they did some research behind it. And it came out that especially people with depression found the app very useful because you say what your your enemies are, you say what your challenges are, you take as many challenges daily as you think that you can do. Sort of like a, it's like a scrum for your real life. So it's like, okay, this week I feel like I can tackle these many and these many enemies and these many quests. And then, you know, you, you you end up at the end of the week and then you can increase your the level that you're, you're doing, yeah? the difficulty and so on. So I think it, it is very much a do-it-yourself type of app. I think it's very interesting, this approach that they have. Excellent. And I will have links to MySugar and SuperBetter in the show notes. Actually, MySugar, I'm going to be speaking with the CEO of that company very soon on a future episode. They are actually moving to the US. They're moving down to the San Diego area to continue their expansion and growth. They're doing a fantastic job. And I saw them at the Health 2.0 meeting in Barcelona, another great European company making some, some big strides in healthcare. One that you mentioned, though, was Lumosity. Now, they just recently were fined by the FCC in the U.S. for $2 million about some of the claims that they made about their brain training app and, and the effects that it had. I guess that might be some of the reason why people sort of have a backlash against what people think about being able to gamify better health. Would you have any response about how companies should be vigilant and diligent in performing research about their claims? 
Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, it is. It, we, we've known forever that video games do help with things like uh, peripheral vision and, and action and so on. Just recently, video games have been notorious enough to be dedicated as much time in research as they are having currently. So I think it's a very exciting time for video games. And But I do know that probably some claims that were done before now are going to be turned wrong, to put it this way. Yeah, you, know, you trained as a nurse. You're also a professor and an educator. You spoke at the beginning of the program about your interaction with that diabetic colleague at Blizzard and about how you you had a talk with him the way that you were trained to have a talk with a patient about their, their condition. What about using gamification for education? Can you give us any views on that about how we're actually educating the health professionals that are leading those conversations with patients around the world? Yeah, I think education has a huge, huge impact on how the at least this student that will become a professional will think when he's a professional. And what I find a lot in my classes is that I teach uh, second year students out of four at the second year, at the second half of their of their year, it's when I have them. And it's incredible, at least on nursing, which is what I know, how much they think, you know, everything has to be protocol. If it's written down, it needs a protocol, then it's okay. And I don't ask myself questions because it's a protocol. So they're very tunnel vision and and it's incredible. And basically what I teach them besides technology and and serious games and gamification, I teach them to be creative and and to actually question themselves what the things are that they're doing because a protocol is there because it works. And if it stops working for whatever reason it is, it needs to be revised and it's, all the things need to come up. So it, for me, it's very, very important that the students are creative in their solutions, but they also find are able to find the problems when they happen and they that they don't hide their head. Like, no, you know, it's a protocol. It has to be fine. So that's that's most of my of my job that I'm doing at the moment. So you've given us six great tips about things that people should be thinking about in terms of gamification and, and behavior change. Is this what people are contacting your company Play Benefit about? Is that why you formed the company to serve clients that are trying to affect this sort of behavior change? Yes, definitely. Most uh, m- most of our clients either already have a setup. Let's say they already have an app that. It's not being used as frequently as they wanted to. It's not getting the data they want. So then we look up into it and see how we can, through a engagement design, change this around using gamification, using behavior change and so on. Or we have clients that they just want to put their user in the middle, but they don't know how to do that. So we we actually gamified, we do an engagement design process for them to actually be able to put the user in the middle. And then we show them what exactly is that they're going to be doing in order to understand the user. Because we don't, in Play Benefit, it's very, very essential that we don't work on our own. It's not you contact us and then we work on our own and then we give you something in the end that would make no sense in what we're trying to do. We're trying to have the user in the middle and you as a client understand your user. So therefore, there's a lot of working in uh, workshops together and seeing things from various perspectives in order to put them together and actually come up with something that everyone will feel comfortable with and everyone will be excited about. 
we're running up into the, the end of our time together. I have five lightning round questions that I'd like to ask you. Can you indulge me? Let's go. Great. Why did you choose to pursue a career in healthcare? Okay, this is a very silly. The, the answer will be really silly. I wanted to help animals, and then I turned out that I was horrible at trying to make animals understand that I was going to hurt them in order to make them feel better. This didn't happen with people, and I wanted to help people as well. So that's how I ended up being a nurse. What's the best advice you've ever received or a favorite quote or saying that motivates you? Oh, that's a good one. There are several, but probably one of the ones that helped me most, it's, it's not the problem, it's how you react to it. What book would you recommend and why? All right. This is an easy one. Jay McGonigal, Reality is Broken or Super Better. Those, both books are super cool in explaining why is people getting addicted to video games or is drawn to video games rather than real life? Because basically reality is broken. It doesn't give you enough feedback. There's no ratings. There's no uh, little starts coming out every time you succeed at something. So it's really, really interesting to read. Fantastic. We'll have the links to those books in the show notes so you can pick those up at Amazon or iTunes or we'll even have a link to audible.com where you can pick up those uh, those books that you've recommended. Thank you for that. What technology tool or app besides Slack would you recommend and why? I think that's funny that you mentioned besides Slack because I did not know Slack and then I had to look it up. <laughs> Everybody's been mentioning it. So I had to start saying besides Slack because everyone was saying the same answer. So what, what else would you recommend? Okay. So I don't know if this one has come up. Probably it has because it's great. It's Trello. T-R-E-L-L-O is the system that I use. And it's great to use uh, things like Scrum and, and Lean and so on. And it's great. I mean, I love it. You can have as many people as you want. You can open projects. You can close projects. And it's great. That is a great tool. It's called, we pronounce it Trello, but okay. I know the double L uh, sounds a little different in the Spanish language. So yeah, <laughs> we'll have a link to that that app uh, and that tool in the show notes as well. And finally, we're going to be making a contribution to a charity of your choice. What charity have you selected? And can you tell us a bit about what they do? So the charity that I've selected is Global Giving. What it does is like if we, they make it, they have enough money, they will actually be giving it away to empower women in Uganda for them to start their own little businesses. I think it's very important to rather than give money to someone so they can reach out and give food to whoever is that that they start their own little companies that they're their little own businesses. So this can be more substantial. Terrific. Thank you very much for that. And again, we'll have a link to that charity in the show notes. And I'll let you know when we've made the donation to them. And how can listeners follow your work or follow your company or get in touch with you? Oh, I'm very active on, on Twitter is where I do most of my professional work and also in LinkedIn. So just add me at LinkedIn, uh, Anna with two N's, S-O-R-T, sort, or just have me on Twitter, which is at Lost Nurse. Because I'm lost, the lost nurse. Yes, I'm the lost nurse in the new technologies. <laughs> Anna, thank you so much for participating in this podcast and look forward to having you on on future episodes. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for everything. There you go. That was Anna Sort, the co-founder of Play Benefit. You can find a link to their company and links to everything we discussed on this podcast at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash eight. You can always find me on Twitter at healthtechdan. You can follow the show at dhealthtoday. You can even contact me the old-fashioned way by emailing me at host at digitalhealthtoday.com. That's all for now. Thanks very much for tuning in. I look forward to speaking with you on future podcasts. And until then, keep on innovating.